Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is set for one episode. Your host from Columbus, Ohio, is Michael Kirk. Welcome to the Outbound Mudcast. Hello and welcome to the Outbound Mudcast, your digital audio dirt sheet for all things Super Show. Top story this week, Pixel Palace Pandemonium for Columbus, Ohio, Create a Competitor Tournament. We had a big tournament. We had many featured matches. Let me go through those basically in chronological order. We start off with a featured match at Pixel Palace Games in Columbus, Ohio. I've heard this name multiple times. I'll try to give it as best as I understand it. This was a match for the American Interstellar Harder Core 23-7 Championship. The champion HR of the Unionverse as the commissioner Drew Madsen. The challenger Brian Wait for it Schmidt as Alexander Slamilton. This was a dark match. It went to crowd meter one. The winner, new champion, Brian Schmidt. So Brian Schmidt of the Crime Wave is going to walk out of Pixel Palace Pandemonium 4 with one championship belt. Congratulations to Brian Schmidt for that. Then the tournament starts. 37 players in the tournament. They have five Swiss rounds. After the five Swiss rounds, there's one undefeated player, six players with a record of 4-1, and one, and 11 players with a record of 3-2. and two. Due to time constraints, there were only two hours left before the shop officially closed at 8 p.m. They decided to cut to a top eight. The sole 3-2 that made the top cut made the top cut based on strength of schedule per challenge. That was the computer system they used for the Swiss rounds in the tournament. That person, Brandon Kong. So I'll give you the top eight, but before the top eight happened, we had two more featured matches. The first featured match was for the LFF Underworld Championship. The champion coming in, the big guy, playing as the new version of Matt Stevens. The challenger, Colin Simon, playing as Colin the Crononaut. Colin Simon received this match, received this shot, because he was part of Impact, which won Faction Wars 4. This was a ring step stipulation match. It went to Crowd Meter 2. The winner at Crowd Meter 2, still champion. The big guy. Congratulations to the big guy for retaining. The other featured match was for the LFF Tornado Tag Team Championship. The champion going in, the ring general, the cannoli, Anthony Perry, playing his duo decimal system. The challenger, Keith Overby, playing as the time travel extraordinaires. This match only went to crowd meter one. The winner here, still champion. The Cannoli. Congratulations to the Cannoli. So three championship matches so far. Two defenses, one new champion. Let's talk about the top eight. So here were the matchups in the top eight. I already mentioned Brandon Kong. Brandon Kong was the sole three and two that got in. He faces the sole undefeated in the tournament, Mitchell Manja. Mitchell Manja was playing as Chloe Mai. Brandon Kong was playing as the original version of the Executioner. Brandon Kong wins the match. 
the next matchup in the top eight. Matt Nealon as the history-making Matt Pineapple versus Ken Fouché as the mayor of Slamtown, Johnny Superchef. Ken Fouché wins that match. Third match in the top eight. Chris Pate playing as Evie Laveau versus Greg Shockley playing as Fortress with Chris Pate going over in the match. And then the final match in the top eight, Bob Dunn playing as Robert the Brain Dunn. This is the Power 10 Agility 7 version of that competitor versus Brian Schmidt playing as Mr. Pop and Twist with Brian Schmidt going over. So the top four is going to be Chris Pate versus Brian Schmidt and Brandon Kong versus Evie Lavelle. I should bring this up now. In this tournament, there were no stipulations until the finals. The finals was a main event match. Before I move on to the results from the top four, I need to talk about a ruling and a little bit of controversy from a top eight match. This was the match of Chris Pate as Evie Laveau versus Greg Shockley as Fortress. There was a question that came up about Evie Laveau's gimmick and a particular card. Let me give both of those to you. First, Evie Laveau. Evie Laveau's gimmick is when you flip exactly three cards or shuffle exactly three cards into your deck, draw two cards. The card in question, and I may be wrong on the card, but it was definitely a card from this series, was a card from the Double Foot Stomp series. These are follow-up cards at the 22, 23, and 24 slots. I believe it was Double Foot Stomp, which is the 22, so I'll give you that card. The text on that card is, flip three cards, shuffle up to six cards from your discard pile into your deck. The question was, if you elect to shuffle exactly three when you shuffle during the shuffle up to six cards portion, will your gimmick trigger twice? Will it trigger once for flipping three cards? Will it trigger once for shuffling three when you shuffle up to six? In my opinion, and this is how it was ruled at Pixel Palace, is yes, that each sentence is a separate trigger of the gimmick. Flip three cards is one sentence. It has a period. Shuffle up to six cards from your discard pile in your deck. That's a second sentence. The example we gave is from one of the finishes for the Young Bucks. The gimmick for the Young Bucks is, after you flip any number of cards, add one card from your discard pile to your hand. Your cards named Superkick are also considered 17 and 18. That part doesn't matter. The finished strike for the Young Bucks, more bang for your buck, says plus three to grapple, plus one to agility, flip one card, period, flip one card, period, flip one card, period. Those are three different sentences. It's been ruled each particular sentence triggers the gimmick. So this gimmick triggers three times. Based on that precedent, I believe that Evie Laveau and double footstop interact the same way. Each sentence would be a separate trigger for her gimmick. So in this case, she would get to draw four cards total, two from the first trigger by flipping three, two from the second trigger by shuffling exactly three when you shuffle up to six cards. I wanted to bring that up because that was a bit of controversy there. Greg Shockley asked me to voice his displeasure with that, so... I'm putting that on the record for him. He's not happy with that ruling. He thinks that makes the card too powerful. 
We'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see what the fallout is from that. I don't know if the rules committee is going to take a look at that and make a determination. I can tell you that was the ruling made during the match. That's the ruling that stood. I agreed with that ruling. I actually was the one who provided the Young Bucks example to say that that's why it worked that way. We'll have to see if the rules committee, SRG Universe, Steve Resk disagrees with that. Right now, though, that happened. Wanted to bring that to you. Top four. Again, no stipulations. Brandon Kong as the executioner versus Ken Fouché as the mayor of Slamtown. Brandon Kong goes over. He goes to the finals. Brian Schmidt as Mr. Poppin' Twist. Chris Pate as Evie Laveau. Brian Schmidt wins. Brian Schmidt versus Brandon Kong in the finals. Brian Schmidt's second big match of the day, having the championship match earlier. Will he repeat his success? We'll find out. Main event stipulation match. Going from memory, you can win by countout in a main event stipulation. I believe you can also lose via disqualification. Neither of those things happened. This match ends up going to crowd meter four. A lot of twists and turns. We see some kickouts when the only way possible to kick out is to roll your 10 on your second or third breakout roll. We have that. In the end, though, after a long, hard-fought match, the winner, who will get to create a competitor in Super Show the Game, Brandon Kong, a.k.a. Math Guy, with the original version of The Executioner. Congratulations to Brandon Kong for that. Brian Schmidt, great showing. But, of course, his night wasn't over because immediately after this, with time being an issue, we ended up running over an hour past store close to get the last match in, the LFF World Heavyweight Championship, the challenger Brian Schmidt with the Witch's Apprentice, the champion Bob Dunn with Big Bad Bobby D. This was a long, hard-fought match. It went to crowd meter four. At the end of the match, the dice went against the champion. The challenger wins the dice battle at the end. It was neck and neck, but just a little bit of the edge. Brian Schmidt gets to hit the last finish, rolls a 14, and he is your new LFF World Heavyweight Champion. Congratulations to Brian Wait for Schmidt for becoming the new champion. Three big matches. Two out of three ain't bad, as they say. Walks out a double champion. Congratulations to Brian Schmidt. Great day. Great seeing everyone there. 37 players. Outstanding field. And that was it, folks. That was Pixel Palace Pandemonium 4. The next big story is the, at the time I'm recording this, ongoing final match of round two of the 2023 Create a Competitor competition. This is the tag team round of the team of JAC and Math Guy, Algorithm and Rhyme, versus the New York Phenom and the Foreman. Phenomenal United. Now, as I'm recording this, there's still over nine hours left to go in the contest. Here's what I have the scores as so far. For the team of Algorithm and Rhyme, I have a total of 66 tags. For the team of Phenomenal United, I have 71 raw tags. And this is going to be controversial here. Because while I count them as having 71 
raw tags, in my opinion, due to irregularities, illegal things going on, rule violations, they should actually have only 39 of those tags count. Let me go through and talk about why I think this is the case and why I think we should throw out over 30 of the tags currently earned by Phenomenal United. Let me start with a brief overview of the rules. And I'll use the teams involved for Algorithm and Rhyme, Michael Kirk, myself, and Brandon Kong are handling the tags for the team of Phenomenal United. Joseph McGregor and Jason Falsone are handling the tags. I'll use myself as the example. So let's say I'm starting off the tag round. I tag Steve Resk on Facebook. Steve Resk tags John Clace on Facebook. The moment Steve Resk tags somebody, that counts as one tag for my team. John Clace tags Brian Schmidt. That counts as a second. Brian Schmidt tags Pat Mulligan. That counts as a third. Now, let's say Pat Mulligan isn't tagging anyone, and time is ticking by. Time is important in the CCC. It is a 48-hour timed round. You only have 48 hours to get as many tags as possible. If Pat Mulligan isn't tagging anyone, per the example, I would have to tag my partner, Brandon Kong, and Brandon Kong would start a tag chain, and he might tag, for example, Paul Trejo to start off a new chain. But that's not the only reason you might start a new chain. Anytime something happens that's busted, you have to start a new chain. For example, same example, I'll start off the chain. I tag Steve Resk. Steve Resk tags John Calais. John Calais tags Brian Schmidt. Brian Schmidt tags Steve Resk. Now, each person can only be tagged by each team one time if they have completed the tag. So, if Steve Resk for some reason hadn't tagged John Clace, we started a new chain and then Steve Resk got tagged again, that's fine. But once Steve Resk gets tagged, tag somebody else, nobody on the side, in this case of the example of Michael Kirk and Brandon Kong, can tag Steve Resk again. If Steve Resk gets tagged again, the only remedy for that is one partner must tag the other. If, like the example, Brian Schmidt tags Steve Resk after Steve Resk has been tagged once, I must then step in because I started that particular chain, tag Brandon Kong, Brandon Kong starts a new chain. That's the only remedy for that. I can't step in, for example, and start a new chain. I have to tag my partner to start a new chain. Additionally, the person who made the tag can't change their tag. They can't delete the tag they made. They can't edit the tag they made to pick somebody else. The reason I'm bringing these up is because all these elements have happened during this match. And this is why I've come to the determination that over 30 of the votes should be thrown out. So. I'll use actual examples from the match to make my case. The first one's a situation I haven't talked about yet, but it's so egregious, you'll understand exactly what happened when I mentioned it. So, for the team of Phenomenal United, the first 21 tags are fine. 
The 21st tag is Kirk Polka tagging Daniel Hughes, Candyman Dan. Now, Daniel Hughes does not make the next tag. Jason Falsone started this tag chain. He doesn't tag Joseph McGregor to start a new chain. Instead, out of nowhere, Michael Nichols, the Nightmare King, replies to Kirk Polka's tag and tags Angela Christina, and the chain continues. In my opinion, all the votes in that chain should not count. Once a chain dies due to some irregularity, and in this case it would be the Nightmare King continuing the chain when he never got tagged, the only remedy for a dead chain is one partner tagging the other partner and starting a new chain. So in my opinion, once this chain dies due to that, every tag from that point on until a new chain is started shouldn't count. Now you might say, well wait, they just missed it. They overlooked it. In my opinion, it is your responsibility in this match to pay attention to what's going on, to watch for these errors, and to make corrections as needed. All right? This is part of what makes this round hard. All right? It's having to pay attention to all these things. If you can essentially allow illegal things to go on during the match, illegal tags and the like, and just say, oh, I didn't catch it, and then it just gets glossed over, there's no penalty for that, then what's even the point of having rules for this? So that's the first irregularity that I think should result in some tags being Additionally, in that same chain, there was an edited tag. And just to give the example, Larry Tiblis tags Simon Dabner. Simon Dabner had already been tagged previously in this tag chain. So what ends up happening is Larry Tiblis edits his tag. He first changes it to Dom Buchter. Dom Buchter apparently doesn't tag, so he changes it again to James Booker and James Booker tax. That's another illegality. That's another reason why I think, if not the full 15, the seven after that should also be thrown out for that reason alone. But 15 should be thrown out from the first chain. Later on, there's another chain where three people in a row, three people in a row are tagged who had already been tagged by Phenomenal United in a previous chain. The moment you tag one of those people, the chain should be dead, let alone three in a row. In my opinion, once the first person is tagged in that, that chain is dead. So there are eight tags in that chain that should get tossed out for that alone. The final bit of irregularity is this, and these have to do with the most recent tag chains. Last night, Jason Fosson tagged Joseph McGregor to start a chain. And after a couple votes in, the chain stalled. Did Joseph McGregor tag Jason Fosson to start a new chain? No. He started a new chain himself. He simply tagged another person to continue the chain. This morning, when they started tagging Sunday morning, so the previous tag chain, which should have ended, 
The next tag chain should be Joseph McGregor tagging Jason Fossone and starting a chain. That didn't happen. Joseph McGregor started another tag chain on his own and started tagging people. At least six votes from that should be thrown out, in my opinion. Because you are not allowed to unilaterally start your own tag chains. You must tag your partner and have your partner start a new chain. I'm currently stuck right now, as I'm recording this, in the CCC because I had a busted tag in a chain, so I had to tag my partner, Brandon Kong. Brandon Kong is currently on an airplane from Columbus back to California. He flew into Columbus from California yesterday, and he's flying back today. So there were hours where my partner was not available. Does that mean I get to start tag chains unilaterally? No, you don't get to. That's, again, part of what makes this round difficult. So, to my knowledge, there's been no exception for Phenomenal United. So, all the tag chains Joseph McGregor is starting on his own, without tags between him and his partner, none of the tags in those chains should count. And then while I was going through and checking um, the tag numbers, there was another thing I caught. This is a kind of a subtle thing. So let's say a tag chain stalls out. And then the decision is made for one partner to tag the other and start a new tag chain. If for some reason votes roll in for the tag chain that's already been closed and abandoned, those votes shouldn't count. There were three votes I saw where they'd made the decision to close the tag chain, start a new tag chain, and then after that tag chain closed, three people made tags on the closed tag chain. So together that gets me from 71 down to 39. Now, both teams, as I'm recording this, have about nine hours left. We could see more votes earned, and that could affect this. But in my opinion, if you enforce the rules correctly, if you are as strict as I am in my interpretation, then algorithm and rhyme should win this. It's going to come down to how strictly Pat Mulligan enforces these rules. Right now, with a margin of five, I could tell you, if you take out the three duplicate votes, if you take out the votes from Joseph McGregor, starting his own tag chains, if you take out the three votes I mentioned from votes coming in after the tag chain closed, that's enough to right now give Algorithm and Rhyme the edge. Will that hold up? We'll see. But that alone, in my opinion, if the contest were to end right now, we should win. But if you were really going to be stricter about the rules, in my opinion, it's 66-39. Algorithm and Rhyme over Phenomenal United. Now, in my opinion, both of these teams, based on their promos alone, should go on to the next round. All right? In my opinion, they should actually just cut to a top eight, put the four of us who had the best promo game of the whole second round in there, and let us take on the other four, mix it up, two fatal four-way matches if we have to get to a finals in a short amount of time. If you don't do a wild card, 
that might be two triple threats to a finals. 8-4-2 is better to me, but we'll see what they do. That is what I am looking at. That's what I am thinking about the CCC match. If the rules are enforced strictly, I believe algorithm and rhyme win. If they're very forgiving with the rules, it's going to be extremely close. Maybe an edge to Phenomenal United. We will have to wait for the official total next week. Talk of the Universe, September 20th. I will, if for some reason we're declared the losers, algorithm and rhyme, I will make my case to Pat Mulligan. I don't know if I'll win, but I'll make the case. That's the update right now for the 2023 CCC. I will tack on to the end of the show after 9 o'clock, updates to the numbers, with the caveat that over 30 of the votes, in my opinion, for Phenomenal United are illegal and should not count. Other news from this week. The next big in-person play events are both the weekend of October 15th. October 15th in Cleveland, Ohio, Marktoberfest. I believe it is recess.net. I believe going from memory, that's the website. But just look up Recess Games in a web browser. Find the Recess Games website. Go to the event section, October 15th. You can click the event. Buy your ticket there. ArmorCon, weekend of October 14th through October 16th in Marlboro, Massachusetts. We have a schedule of events for ArmorCon. Let me give you that schedule of events. Friday, October 14th, starting at noon, there will be Learn to Play Super Show events running every 30 minutes. So noon, 12.30, 1 p.m., 1.30, so on and so forth. At 7 p.m., there will be a singles event. According to this, this singles event will determine a number one contender for the Tri-State Championship, for the LFF Tri-State Championship. Presumably, that means the winner gets to be the next contender, gets to be a contender. That may or may not be the case, but that's, the, that's what you think would happen reading this. Saturday, October 15th, noon start time, 12 p.m. start time. This is a create a competitor tournament. Winner of the tournament will get to create a competitor and super show the game. We have simultaneous create a competitor tournaments going on that day. Marktoberfest in Cleveland, Armacarn in Marlboro. 8 p.m. Saturday, October 15th, Armacon, Cosmic Draft. No details, but it sounds like you will buy a Cosmic Crusader deck, a Marauder of the Multiverse deck. I don't know if this is an actual sealed event or a draft where cards go into a pool and people actually pick them. It just says Cosmic Draft. Likely one of those two formats. Sunday, 11 a.m., tag team event. I believe this is two players versus two players using singles competitors. No more details beyond that. There will also be payoff pack drafts on command throughout the weekend. That is your ArmorCon schedule events for the weekend of October 14th through October 16th. There was one featured match that I'm aware of outside of Pixel Palace Pandemonium. The LFF Triad Championship was defended 
I believe this was Tuesday night after Dojo. We had the Meeple, Craig Brett, the champion with the Meeple's champion, face challengers Matt Nealon playing as Raven and the Tartan Terror playing as the second version of Mr. Snap. This match went to crowd meter one. The winner of the match, still champion, the Meeple of the Unionverse. Congratulations to the Meeple for your victory. There was going to be Wednesday night a defense of the LFF Tri-State Tag Team Championship. Cold Candy Crush, the champions, Candyman Dan and the Penguin, would take on, I believe, challengers Ant West and Thebes Pinkney. That match was rescheduled. Not sure when it will happen, but that match will happen at some point in the future. Chris Pagillo, the general manager of the LFF Trios division, named the next challenger for the Trios championship held currently by Simple Chuck. His next challenger will be Johnny Career. And then the last bit of news before I get into the online tournaments from this past week. I talked last week about how John Pulverino won the gauntlet. He's won defense of the LFF Tri-State Championship away from tying the record set by Steve Rask. A lot of people want to see a match between Steve Rask and John Pulverino happen with this championship on the line. Alec Ventresca, looking to sweeten the pot to see this match happen, offered the winner, were this match to take place, an autographed Roman Reigns spectacle card. I have no news about whether or not this has helped set a match in motion. If it has, I will report on that when I know that. But right now, all we know is that's out there. One more thing I wanted to bring up. Faction Wars 5 is coming up. The first FAQ document for Faction Wars 5 is out there. The draft. The draft is taking place this Thursday. September 21st. The draft order will be chosen on Talk of the Universe September 20th. It's going to be an eight-round snake draft, meaning in the first round, the team with the first pick goes first, team with the second pick goes second, third goes third, all the way down to the last team. At the start of round two of the draft, the last team gets the first pick. The next to last team gets the second pick all the way down to the first team from round one gets the last pick in round two. It alternates back and forth that way until the end of round eight. You must draft one competitor, singles competitor, with a unique printed 10 skill. Only one power 10, only one tech 10, so on and so forth. You'll also draft one tornado and one trio. One player on your team will be the Tornado and Tag Team player. The other six will play the other six competitors. The captain cannot be the Tornado and Trio player. The Tornado and Trio player is going to be known as the Specialist. The matchups will be determined by the general manager, John Calace. They will not be random. They will be deliberate pairings. For diversity, they will only be using primary logos, not secondary logos. For that. So, for example, Mr. Snap version 2 has Mr. Snap version 1's logo on it. Mr. Snap version 2 should not diversify Mr. Snap version 1. That's the way I'm reading it. A character still can be diversified if they're on a tornado or trio. 
For example, if somebody drafts the Tornado Tag Team Brain Power, that has Robert the Brain Dunn's logo, and it has the Witch's Apprentice's logo on it. Both of those characters will be diversified if Brain Power is drafted. Nobody can draft those two if Brain Power goes first. There is a ban list. Some characters on that ban list are the original version of General Manager John Clace, the Red Pill, Scarlet Graves, X Royce, Reverend Robert Torn, Lunatic Ginge, Kabuki Kablau, Marty Skrull, David Starr, Joey Ryan. Those are all on the ban list, still in progress. If a captain makes an illegal draft pick during the draft, they forfeit that pick. They will make up the pick at the end of the draft by choosing from a competitor they need that went undrafted. You cannot draft flip competitors that have different skill lines on the front and back. For example, Flip Smiley has a different stat line on both sides. You can't draft him. Those are kind of the broad brush things from the FAQ document. There are some very specific cases listed on there. So if there's something you have a question about, if you're on a Faction Wars team, reach out to your Faction Wars captain to get that cleared up. Now, the online tournaments will start Monday, Monday night fights. There were 14 players in this tournament, group stages. Two groups, seven players per group. Each player plays the other six in their group. Top two records per group advance to the top cut. Let me give you your top four because there was a third place match. In fourth place, playing as Candyman, Bob Dunn. In third place, playing as Pride, Pride himself, Robert Dowdy. The finalists were Drew Madsen as Amazing Red and Carlos Lumbre as AJ Styles with the winner, Carlos Lumbre as AJ Styles. Congratulations to Carlos Lumbre for winning Monday Night Fights. This brings us to Thursday Night Fights. There were 11 players in this week's tournament of Thursday Night Fights. Two groups of four players, one group of three. Top two records per group advance into the top cuts. We have a top cut of six. Looking at the challenge, I cannot tell if they had two players get a bye or if they had two triad finals and then went to a finals. But they do have a top four listed, which suggests there were buys from the quarterfinals to the semifinals. In fourth place, we have, with AJ Styles, Carlos Lumbre. In third place, playing as Merlin Von Berlin, Stephen Owen. Your finalists were Ken Fouché as the mayor of Slamtown, Johnny Supershow, and Loudmouth Leo Larynx as Long Balls Larry, with the winner, Loudmouth Leo Larynx. Congratulations to Loudmouth for winning Chibi's Thursday Night Fights. And then Friday, we have a special tournament on Friday. Steve Resk hosts a Boss Roddy Beatdown. It's a little higher entry fee than usual. It's $30, but you're getting a discounted payoff pack when you sign up. So for $30, you get in, you get a payoff pack, normally $40. Instead, you get it for $30. You get to play in the tournament, and you get whatever prizes are given out in the tournament. I believe the winner, as part of this prize, will get a custom playmat. Steve is usually very generous with the prizing here. It's group stages, 24 players. Six groups of four, top two advance to the top cut. So 12 players in the top cut. An additional prizing note, if you don't win, but the winner comes out of your group, you get a prize 
because the winner came out of your group. That's also part of the prizing of this event. It looks like, looking at the challenge link, four players received a buy into the quarterfinals. The remaining eight were paired up in singles matches to make the uh, quarterfinal round. This was a sticks, stairs, and chairs themed tournament. So we had those come into play. Also in Boss Rarity Beatdowns, you use a different entrance card each round in the group stage, and then that resets, and you can use a different one each round in the top cut of the pool you had originally. You also had the same thing for spectacles. If you used a spectacle in one of the matches in the group stage, you couldn't use that spectacle in the other matches in the group stage if you make the top cut. Same thing if you use a spectacle in a match in the top cut. You couldn't use that spectacle in any of the other matches in the top cut. Quarterfinal stipulation is steel chair match, and it says step and play. I'm assuming that means you could search your deck for a card with ring step and name and put it into play at the start of the match. Semifinal round, kendo stick matches, kendo stick card and play. I'm assuming the same thing before. Finals match, ring step match, ring step and play. So I'm wondering if that's not a typo in the quarterfinal round, if it should be steel chair card and play. I'm just giving you what's listed. Let me give you the top four. It does not appear what I'm looking at, that they listed third place, but the two semifinalists were Charlie Barkley as Snake Pit and the Goat Brock Smith as Amazing Red. Your two finalists, Hold the Line Harry as Mila Mai and Drew Madsen as Mr. Poppin' Twist. With the winner of the Boss Rarity Beatdown, Drew Madsen as Mr. Poppin' Twist. Congratulations to Drew Madsen for winning the Boss Rarity Beatdown. That is going to do it for this week's episode of the Outlaw Mudcast. As far as upcoming events, I talked about ArmorCon. I talked about Marktoberfest. This week, nothing is listed yet on Supershowthegame.com, but I can tell you at Pixel Palace on the stream, Brian Schmidt announced he will be running Monday Night Fights, so look for that. Thursday Night Fights is up in the air because that is the same night as the Faction Wars 5 draft. So I don't know if that will happen. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. That's out there. And that's going to be it. One last thing. Here are the results, unofficially, from the final match of round two of the 2023 Creative Competitor Competition. From my math, the total is 75 tags slash votes for the team of JAC and Math Guy, Algorithm and Rhyme, and 72 tags slash votes for the New York Phenom and the Foreman Phenomenal United. This does not include any of the adjustments I talked about, things like the double tagging, edited tags, the dead chains. This is just straight up, I counted all the votes. For one team, I counted all the votes for the other. That's what I came up with. Again, this is unofficial, unconfirmed. We're going to have to wait until Pat Mulligan puts out the official numbers, presumably next episode of Talk of the Universe, September 20th. But it looks like JAC and Math Guy will join Captain Kiddo, Moxie, Maddie Bar One, and Private Cuddles in round three. 
I do not know if there will be wild cards. If there are wild cards, in my opinion, the Foreman and the New York Phenom have earned their spots. They are the most deserving of the other competitors based on promos and based on total votes. The next highest team that I saw was a 35-vote team. Again, there were a bunch of disputed votes in that, but that was the next highest. Each team here did more than double what the next best team did. This was a barn burner of a match. So I think just on the strength of this performance, if there are going to be two wild cards going on to round three, the Foreman and the New York Phenom deserve that. Now, if Pat Mulligan determines that they win, I think JAC and Math Guy should be the two that get the wild cards. But by my counting, JAC and Math Guy, Algorithm and Rhyme, won. I do also want to say this. While I was critical of what happened, this is not an attack on Joseph McGregor and Jason Fosson personally. Sometimes when I'm very critical, I realize listening back it could come across two people in that way. I don't intend it in that way. Just because I'm critical of things that happen in the match, that's not a moral judgment on anybody. Especially with the tag team round. Because like I said, the tag team round is the most difficult round. In my opinion, they should scrap the tag team round. There's so many things bad with it. It's the hardest for the voters to engage with. I can't tell you how many times I ask people to tag with me, and they think I'm asking them to play in a tag team match with me as their partner, to play an actual game of Super Show. So that's a hurdle that's built into the format of this contest. Because this is conducted on Facebook, and when these chains get long, Facebook wants to show you by default, the relevant comments on a post. That's how they categorize it. Because of this, it can be difficult for people who are tagged to find where they were tagged and tag somebody else. You have to change it to all comments. That's not something I thought about when it started, but having now gone through it, I'm going to mention it. This is just the worst format in the CCC. I have a goal of getting JAC and Super Show the game. I'm also going to have a goal to try to get the tag round eliminated from the CCC. I don't know if I can do it. Every year I say they should scrap it. Every year it keeps on coming back. But I'm glad that I'm through it, that everyone's through it for another year. What's going to happen in round three? I don't know. We could see some multi-man matches. We could see some singles matches. Hopefully we'll learn more this Wednesday on Talk of the Universe because it is going to be September 20th when the next Talk of the Universe episode airs. That's the next to last Wednesday before the end of September. And like I said, it's going to be hard to do anything between Thanksgiving and the end of the year. So we have maybe a month and a half, two months to really get this in. Maybe three months. All of October, a little bit of September, a good portion of November. So we'll have to see what happens. To Jason Fosson, to Joseph McGregor, 
to Brandon Kong. Thank you for helping put on a great match, helping close out round two with a bang. To everyone who tagged with everybody, both sides, thank you for doing that. I know I appreciate every tag that I get. I believe everyone else in the contest feels the same way. Thank you for tagging with us. It's a lot. It can be frustrating. Thank you for stepping up, for helping us out. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. One last bit of news came in. I did get a locals report from Misos Game Room and Collectibles in Louisville, Kentucky. They ran a round-robin tournament. Seven players. Each player played the other six. Here are the top three from this event. In third place, playing as the Shadow Phoenix, Mr. A Wonderful, Austin Lucas. In second place, playing as the new version of Papa Wheelie, the Grim Librarian, Ken Fouché. The winner, playing as Reverend Goodbrains, Brian Johnston. Congratulations to Brian Johnston for winning this event. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Outlaw Mudcast. I would like to thank all of you for listening, and good day.